0: Hello and welcome to episode 262 of the Thriving as a Physician podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. All right, today we are talking about three post-goal things that nobody talks about. So the realities of what it means to actually live life at a weight goal and how it's quite different from what you imagine when you're working on losing weight and thinking about your goals and how we've been taught about it. And I think these conversations, even if you feel like you're so far from your goal right now, are still really, really important to have because as you'll see, if we know what it's like once you hit the goal, then we can adjust and approach our weight loss differently. We can take those things into account with how we approach our weight loss. And then that helps you feel more successful. It makes it easier when you hit goal to be maintaining your goal and living your life. And honestly, the most important part, it makes it easier to just actually enjoy your life, which you really, really deserve to do, no matter what your body size is, no matter what the scale is telling you, no matter which parts jiggle and shake right now, okay? Let's just stop using weight against ourselves as much as possible And it's okay to want to lose weight, to want to change your weight, to change your body, but can we just agree to work towards making those decisions from a place that feels really empowering for us and feels good for us and using tools that actually feel good for us instead of just all the standard diets that make us feel so shitty about ourselves before we lose weight, while we lose weight, and then when we're trying to maintain it, I'm just, this is a little rant that I actually didn't plan to put into this podcast, but it's just so not worth it and it doesn't work. If it that way was going to work, you would be at your goal and feeling great and you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. The fact that you've had years of struggle does not mean there's anything wrong with you. What it means is the way we've been taught to approach this stuff is completely wrong. It is ineffective, and yet we keep trying it because we've been given one tool, diets, to lose weight, diets and willpower. And if we consider restriction a tool, we've been given that too, (laughs) and it just doesn't work. And so we keep trying because that's all we have, and it keeps not working. And this is the big problem, and this is what really, like, lights a fire under my ass and gets me all, all on rants, like what I'm doing right now is... When it doesn't work, the problem is, the problem all along, and the biggest shame, when the diets don't work because they just don't work, you blame yourself. We internalize it. We think there's something wrong with us. And what then ends up happening is it affects the rest of our life, meaning things totally unrelated to scale, body shape, body size, start to feel not as good. Like maybe your day feels kind of more wah-wah and you feel a little depressed, a little defeated throughout your day of being a physician just because if you feel like you failed another diet. And you deserve so much more than that. It hurts me inside when I think about anybody experiencing that. And that's why I, I do this work because I've been there. I've totally experienced it that way. I know what that feels like. I know how incredibly frustrating and defeating it feels to be a physician, to feel like you have got a lot of stuff together and yet feel like you could continually fail your diet. We just have to scrap it all. Be like, fuck that shit. It's not gonna work. <laughs> it never did. Let's rebuild it and do it differently. I was talking about this concept and I might record a podcast episode on it with one of the Thrive Academy groups, my platinum group, which are, it's a program that I offer occasionally where it's a very small group, intimate style sessions that they get with me. And we were talking about the concept of re-engineering when there's something that we keep telling ourselves we should do and just keep not doing it. Instead of blaming and just trying to push ourselves harder, looking at the knowledge we can gain from both sides of that, the piece that wants to do it, the piece that doesn't want to do it, and actually re-engineering how we're approaching it so it honors both sides. And I think if you can take that concept into anything that you're doing with your eating and weight and think about, we don't have to do the crappy shit anymore. Sorry, I'm swearing today. It's been a a rough week and I've riled up public service announcement. If you have small children in the car, apparently this episode is going to contain swear words. Sorry for not warning you. Anyways, we just don't have to do that anymore. We can re-engineer. We can look at the realities of what has worked and what isn't working and start creating things that work better. And I think this episode's really going to help you because I'm going to offer wisdom that I wish I knew back when I was working on my weight loss and dreaming of having lost weight and being at a goal, all the things that you probably are dreaming of. I wish I knew these things about it. And I think if we know this stuff and we talk about it openly right from the get-go, then we can engineer the approaches that we're going to use in a way that addresses this and makes it flow, makes it simple and makes long-term weight management or maintaining your goal so much easier. And also more importantly, your days feel better. Now, this is what I do inside Thrive Academy for Physicians. This is why I designed a program for physicians is we don't do shitty stuff to lose weight. You don't have to. There's so many other options that we can work on. And the power of being in a program like this is that you have me to help you with that re-engineering to be like, you don't have to engineer a new way of approaching weight loss on your own because I've done it already with a whole lot of experience in my own life as a physician, but also with working with a lot of physicians about how can we actually make these changes consistently in the realities of how busy and hectic our lives are, while also really truly loving what we're doing without ever feeling restricted, without ever feeling deprived, without feeling like you have to work really hard on what you should or shouldn't eat. Those are all the kind of core values of Thrive Academy for Physicians. So, if you're listening and really resonating with what I'm talking about today, and you like my rant, then you need to apply to Thrive Academy for Physicians. Reach out, go over to it's start to thrive.ca as the website. You can learn about the program there, you can submit an application form. Just gives you an opportunity to tell me about yourself and what your challenges are so that I can let you know if I think you're a good fit if I think I can help you. And if I think I can help you, then we can chat and you can ask me all the questions before you actually decide to join. So no obligation, no pressure. But if you're like, I am sick of the fucking diets, I'm sick of always feeling like a freaking failure when it comes to eating and weight, then it is time to do something different. And that is Thrive Academy for Physicians all right head over to start to thrive.ca told you I'm feeling spicy today I didn't when I started recording this I didn't know I was going to be so spicy but it feels good so back when I was working my weight loss I was thinking about it like how much of the time did I spend thinking about what it would be like to get to my goal versus what it would be like to live at a goal weight and I would say probably didn't spend much time about thinking about the realities of living at a goal weight. Because honestly, I think I thought it would be too hard to actually get to a goal. I didn't know if I'd be able to stay there because I'd had no previous success. I'd never actually, no, I'm lying about that. I was gonna say I'd never actually reached a goal. When I was in med school in second year, I did actually reach a weight goal. I was doing Weight Watchers and there was a bus strike. And so I was riding my bike to and from the university. And if anybody it lives in BC and is aware of UBC, it's, you gotta go up a pretty big hill when you're going up to the university. And so I was doing that every day and I lost weight. Then third year happened and I started to regain it all. After third year, I had never successfully hit a goal. So the idea that I could actually get to a goal felt just far enough out of my reach that I don't think I ever spent time thinking about what would it be like to actually live there and maintain it? I think what my brain probably told me is we'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> Let's just focus on getting there. We'll figure it out when I get there. And so I want you to ask yourself how much time are you spending thinking on either side? And if you're also like, oh, I'll just figure it out when I get there, I'm going to just give you some pointers of things to start thinking about now that you can be working on now that will help your journey to get to your goal, but also will help that after goal journey because it doesn't end. It's one thing we'll talk about. The number one thing nobody talks about, about what it's like after you hit a weight goal is body image does not automatically get better just because you lose weight. I want to say that because I hear this a lot from physicians and from my obesity medicine patients. Of I just want to lose weight because I want to feel good, I want to feel that I look good in my clothes and I want to feel good about my body. The problem is the thoughts that we have about our body are thoughts. They're not directly tied to what the scale says. And so if you have a history of pretty tough thoughts about your body, what will happen when you lose weight, when you hit your goal is you may feel better in some areas. Like when you look in the mirror and see yourself in your clothes, you may feel that you look better and you might actually be able to say something nice to, you, to yourself and that's great. But that negative piece of your brain, if we don't work on it, that piece that thinks it's okay to talk shit about your body, if we don't work on that, it will keep doing it. It'll just find different things. And guess what? (laughs) Here's what it's probably going to find. Because if you lose a whole lot of weight, another thing nobody ever talks about is the skin. Your skin does not snap back, or most people's skin does not snap back to where it was before you gained weight. It'd be nice if it did but it doesn't. And so when you lose a large amount of weight, especially if you have a big weight loss goal, you're pretty much guaranteed to have skin. There will be folds that did not exist before. There'll be loose flaps of things. Things will shake and shimmy when you wave your hands in a way that they may not have before. And that can be a fantastic thing for that little negative piece of your brain to latch onto and start being mean to you about. So Body image, feeling good in your body, does not have to be tied to your goal. Hitting a number on a scale does not automatically give you permission to feel good about your body. Here is your permission now. We can start working on this now. We can start thinking about, does that negative talk actually do anything? Is there a benefit to berating yourself about the shape of your stomach or the size of your thighs or what your butt looks like? Where's the benefit? I think we think the benefit is that if we say tough enough stuff to ourselves, which we would, of course, in those moments, label as, I'm just being honest with myself, quote unquote, that it'll motivate us, right? If you're just honest with yourself, it'll motivate you to get going, to keep going. It's bullshit. Total, total bullshit. It does not happen that way. You know what it does? It makes you feel like crap. And what do you do when you feel like crap? And somebody brings donuts to the office, you eat the fricking donuts because you feel like crap. That tough love, the saying horrible stuff to yourself just to hope that you get motivated will not work. It doesn't work. It does the opposite. And it keeps you in that loop that we talked about at the beginning where you just always feel like you're failing. And you keep blaming yourself every time you do. Talking more nicely to yourself from the get-go or just kind of treating that piece of your brain like we do our kids when they say stuff, mean stuff to people is, you know, we just don't talk to people that way. One thought I've used a lot over the years for myself is I just, I choose not to speak to myself in that way anymore. And if you can notice how it has zero value to speak to yourself in that way, how nobody benefits from it. There's nobody in your life that benefits from you talking smack about your body. If you can notice that and really believe that there's no more benefit, it gets easier to be like, I just don't speak to myself that way. So we know that body image stuff, we bring it along with us for the ride, no matter what the scale says. The scale does not correct body image. That's super, super important. We intentionally choose to change body image and we don't have to wait for a certain number or size to be able to do that. Now, the other thing that's really interesting about body image with weight loss is once you hit your goal, often you'll end up with a bit of a distorted body image around the goal. So for years, I actually kept the home screen on my phone as a picture of me at a heavier weight running a race I was super happy in the image, but it was an image that when I had those days where I'm like, nothing's changed. I'm mentally felt like I was just the same size as I always been. I was able to look and see a concrete example where I could physically look and be like, no, I do actually look different. But those days happened a lot. I'd have one day where I'd eat stuff that like french fries or something that I hadn't eaten, I don't eat that often. And then my brain would be like, well, there we go, we've gained it all back. And this is really, really common. I've worked with a lot of people who've lost large amounts of weight, and I hear it from a lot of other people, is that that piece of your brain doesn't actually store an accurate memory of how you used to look when you're looking in the mirror. It will judge your body now in a distorted sense compared to how you used to look. So your waist may be way, way smaller But that piece of your brain will forget the actual size that it used to be, and it will give you a distorted judgment of how your waist looks now compared to how it used to be. Does that make sense? So you'll look in the mirror, and initially when you look in the mirror, you're like, oh, my waist is so small. And then after a while, it'll be like, oh, geez, like my waist is like it doesn't look that much smaller than what it used to or on a day where you're feeling bloated or you're PMSing or something, that piece of your brain will give you distorted answers unless we actively work on it. And I don't think anybody really talks about that. And the the other piece with that is if you do gain a little bit of weight, which is normal, uh, long-term weight management is not, I hit one number and I never vary from that. Human bodies vary. So it is normal that there will be ups and downs in your weight as you're maintaining it. Even when you're maintaining it, Successfully, but that distorted piece of your mind when you gain a bit of weight will be like, "Well, it's all back. I've blown it. It's all back." And if we buy into that, then what happens is our we start giving up, and then it really does start to come back. So this is really, really important: is noticing body image and being intentional with how do we want to speak to ourselves about our bodies? How do we want to measure our bodies? Meaning, not like actually literally measuring, though that sometimes can be helpful too. But just, you know, how do we want to determine success in our bodies? And having these conversations with yourself early on in your journey and continuing to have these conversations as you go is really, really important. Number two, hitting your goal does not mean you get to collapse across the finish line and rest, right? We often view weight loss like that, that Okay, I just have to hold it together, keep going, keep going, keep going to get to that goal with this idea that once we hit that goal, we get to be like, and collapse across the finish line and be like, I did it. I'm at my goal. I hate to be the barrier of bad news, but what it actually looks like is it keeps going. You hit that finish line and you keep going. Not much changes when you hit your goal. You have to still be eating similar Still doing similar amounts of physical activity, maybe even a little bit more physical activity to maintain just with some of the changes that can happen with metabolism and lean body mass when you lose a lot of weight. And more importantly, you are still living a human life with a human brain. And especially if you identify with like stress eating, emotional eating, feeling out of control with eating, binge eating, that human brain needs ongoing maintenance. So the things that you've done to work on your mindset, to work on your self-care, you have to keep doing them when you're at your goal so that you can keep that kind of clear headedness around your food choices and keep this place where your food choices feel simple. They feel easy. You're enjoying them. It's hard to keep that experience if you're not also managing your mind and caring for your mind and caring for your mood. And managing any burnout as it comes up, all these different things that are normal and happen very frequently to us as physicians, they're part of your long-term weight management. So for me, the things that I always have to do and I'm always aware of, not always perfect with, there's fluctuations, which is normal too, is my running or other physical activity, but mainly running. And I'm not doing that because it burns calories. I'm doing that on a regular basis because it is the best thing I've found for my mental health. And I know if my mental health gets off, so if I'm feeling blah, if I'm feeling overly stressed, overly hurried, overly burnt out, what happens is all the eating habits want to come back because my brain's like, okay, you're not fixing that for us Anymore, there's discomfort. So here's some food to try to feel better with it. Long-term weight management means you need to continue to be really intentional with how you manage the things that your brain would often want to use food to manage. So knowing that, knowing that there actually isn't a finish line, knowing that whatever weight goal you set for yourself is just completely arbitrary and life's not going to change once you hit it. Yeah, like you can feel happy and proud and everything like that, but the realities of your life and what you eat and what you do and, you know, the work you need to think about with managing your mind and your mood and all those sorts of things, doing your self-care, that doesn't change. So if you know it doesn't change, this is why it's so important not to do shit you don't want to do to lose weight. Like picture it, the restrictive diet that you hate to do and you're just forcing yourself to do it because you think it's going to get weight off. What's that going to be like to keep going once you hit your goal? Say it works, which it probably won't to the point of reaching a goal, but say it did. And then you just keep doing shitty stuff for the rest of your life. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense, right? When you think about it that way. I think we've all often thought, oh, I'll figure out something that I actually can maintain once I get there. But that's a thought error. That's not going to be effective. Completely expecting yourself to completely change things up and be successful in weight maintenance, its probably not going to work. And so then because we so often work on losing weight, doing things that we don't actually want to do long-term, doing things that we maybe even hate to do and that make our life feel like shit... That's why often weight maintenance is so hard because then we end up at a goal or having lost some weight and we're like, fuck, I don't want to do this anymore. So why even start that way? This is why I'm such a big proponent of like, screw the diets. They're not the answer. You don't want to follow them anyways. We have to, coming back to that concept of re-engineering, we have to actually design a custom way of eating that will work for you that you'll love to follow, that you'll be like excited about the food that you're going to eat. When you pack a lunch, you're like, oh, I can't wait till lunch because that's going to be delicious. That's what you want to be eating when you're working on weight loss. Every single thing you do to lose weight should make your life better. So the things I do to maintain my weight, number one is I don't eat food I don't like. I'm like picky as a child. I eat a big variety now, but that thing of if I don't want to eat it, I don't eat it. Stays with me. I am very careful that it is delicious food I'm feeding my body that also happens to work for my body. And I'll spend time, if I'm feeling a bit bored, I'll spend time thinking, okay, what would work? Like, what would be exciting, but also work for my body? And I've talked about this on a podcast before, but when you have two sides where you're like, it needs to be exciting to eat, but also work for my body, or it needs to help me with my weight loss, but also I need to be like, able to look forward to the meals, then our brain can go to work and find better solutions for us. So starting with, okay, you know, what can be exciting and also work for my body. Sometimes I need to sit down and do a little bit of like Googling and contemplating and thinking, what else could I try if I do hit a patch where I feel a little bit bored? But it's worth it. It's an investment in having more ideas that you love to eat. And the longer I've done this, I've got tons of things. I Last weekend, we had a big meal with friends. And what it was is I, I was, I was making chicken soup for my kids, which I don't love chicken soup. Like I know the concept is good, but it's a little boring for me. And so I often don't actually eat it when I make chicken soup for the kids. I usually have leftovers, but anyways, making some homemade chicken soup for the kids. And while I'm topping it, I'm like, I am tired of dumbing down my cooking. Like I love to cook. It's a really a hobby. i Cooking shows and food are one of the topics where my brain will just like absorb it like a sponge and I can get really excited, like figuring out new techniques and stuff. But the realities of being a physician and a mom is that there's not a lot of time to fun cook. And also you have three critics that don't particularly like spicy food and are very open about whether they approve of the meal you've spent time preparing for them or not. And so I'm making this chicken soup and I'm like, I'm just so freaking tired of dumbing down my cooking. I want some fucking spicy food. Like I love spice and I almost never cook spicy these days because ever since having kids, it's like I have to cook two meals if I cook spicy. So I decided I was going to do a Thai meal on Saturday with a bunch of friends. And so I made an entire Thai meal, completely low carb. And again, you might be like, oh, how do you do that? And it just, it's taken time. And this idea of being like, I love Thai food, but eating out Thai food, pretty hard to do low carb, so much sugar. So how do I get those flavors and not just have like wok wok kind of Thai food, but like really good authentic tasting Thai food that also works for my body and is low carb. And I've just spent time over the years figuring that out, trying different things, contemplating, brainstorming. And I've come up with lots of different ways. So we had like amazing, I'm totally tooting my own horn here, but everybody that was at that table would also agree. Amazing Thai food that was completely low carb. So I could like have a feast of Thai food and go to bed knowing that, everything's fine. And I'm supporting my weight goals. And it was also amazing and delicious and fun to cook. That's the stuff that you want to think about. And you can start thinking about it now. Now I know it might feel if you're like way at the beginning, you're like, holy Siobhan, you're telling me everything needs to change. And I also need to like create all these new recipes. No, you don't have to do all that. But start with what you actually like to eat. Be like, what is it that I like to eat? When I feel like I'm quote unquote failing with my diet, what is it that I'm reaching for? You start there and you're like, okay, if that's the food I really want, how can I modify it, redesign it so that I can still feel like I get that food, that it's still available for me, but there's options that work better for my body. That's where I would start. I help inside Thrive Academy. The way I teach this is in something called an eating blueprint. So it's the way I live my life. And I generated it before I had words for it, before I was doing coaching, where I can just look at a menu and pick the things that are going to work for me. And then from there, choose what I want to eat. And having that kind of blueprint that you can lay over a menu, lay over your weekly meal plan, lay over a friend's meal when they invite you over, it just makes it so much simpler. And it's not a diet. You get to choose what's on it. Like I said, we don't put stuff we don't want to eat on it. It's like the stuff you actually want to be eating. And it just makes life really easy. You don't have to like count and do macro counting or putting things into apps because who has time for that? I was never successful when I needed to do that. Creating the eating blueprint, once I got that concept in my own life, that's really actually helped me be successful and be consistent long-term because I took the work away. And that's a lot of what we do inside Thrive Academy is just taking that work away. So the other piece about the fact that you have to keep going and you have to it's not like you get to collapse across the finish line when you hit a goal, is your body is going to change. I know, we kind of wish it wouldn't, right? (laughs) And yet, time happens, hormones change. If you're a woman, menopause does eventually come, and it does have real impacts on what it's like to maintain weight in your body. Muscle mass changes, metabolism rates change, all of these things will change over time, as well as life will hand you things. Your life will change over time. And long-term weight management, maintaining that goal means you need to be ready to adjust and be flexible with what you're doing. What you do right now to reach your goal probably isn't going to be what you're doing to maintain it 10 years from now. It's going to have to change. And so again, you should like what you're doing now if it potentially is going to need to be, you know refined, adjusted, or you have to be even more consistent with it in the future to continue to be successful with it. So let's just change everything that we do. <laughs> let's just change it all. Check it out the window. If I could have a wish for you today in my spicy state, I would be just chuck everything you've ever done for weight loss that has felt crappy out the window. And refuse to ever entertain it again. Open up space to consider what actually would feel good. That's the answer. It's the answer you've been looking for. It's just our brains are habituated to keep coming back to that diet. And keep trying the stuff. Be like, oh, I'll just give it one more try. Maybe maybe I just didn't try hard enough. Maybe I just didn't use enough willpower. All that stuff. Eh, Nah, it's not going to work. It's not worth trying again. Try something different. Number three. The third thing that nobody talks about, about what it's like to be at your goal, is ultimately when we're thinking about weight loss, when we're working on all this stuff, when we're setting goals for ourselves, it's not actually about the scale number. It's about the life you want to be living. It's how we envision our life will be at that scale number, how we will feel in our body, how we will move, what our clothes will be like, but also just what our days are going to be like. The pride we will feel in ourselves, the happiness, that's actually what we want. We think that those things come because we've lost weight, but that's not true. Similar to what we've talked about about body image already, those things don't come because you've lost weight. You can start creating them now. You can start asking yourself, what is it that I really want? How do I really want my days to go? And how can I start creating that now? And again, this brings us back to what I've been talking about today is if it's about living a life you want to live, loving your one life that we have, stop doing shit you don't want to do. Like just refuse. Use a filter where when you contemplate doing something for weight or to change your eating, put it through a filter of, is this something I actually want to do? Will this make my life better? If the answer is no, fuck it, don't do it. Throw it away. You're worth more than that. You are worth only doing things that you actually want to do and that will make your life better. And yes, there are hundreds and thousands of options that you could do that would fit in those categories. You may not know them right now, but that's just because we've been taught to do weight loss totally wrong. We've been given so many shitty diets that we've lost sight of the fact that there's actually so many different variations we could try that ultimately will give you that. This feels good. This helps me live the life I want to live right now while I'm also working on my weight and eating. All right. Let me know what you think about this episode. Let me know what you think about my spiciness. You can send me an email at info at for physicians.ca. You can also find me over on Instagram and Facebook. I'm at Dr. Siobhan Key. That's spelt D-R-S-I-O-B-H-A-N. K-E-Y on Facebook. I think if you search weight solutions for physicians, you'll also find me over there. And then I really encourage you come join us in our physician only free community on Facebook. It's called the Thriving as a Physician Facebook group. And it's where you can get more support. You can get just little prompts and reminders, tips from me, some behind the scenes of how it is that I go about managing my own weight. Managing my own mind, caring for myself so that I can be maintaining my weight in the midst of living a very busy life and practicing all different types of family medicine. I if that sounds great, come on over. You do need to be a physician to join that group and you need to answer the questions, or else I can't let you in. If I can't confirm you're a physician, I can't give you access to that group. That's the Thriving as a Physician Facebook group. And like I said at the beginning, honestly. If you like what I talked about today and you're like, I am sick of doing the diet crap, then just take the step to talk to me about Thrive Academy for Physicians. You deserve it. You deserve to learn how to do this differently. I have tools that really work that will help you reach your goals and help you make food choices and eat healthy consistently with an entirely different feeling that you've ever, ever had where you'll surprise yourself by actually not being bothered by food, even if right now you feel fully out of control around food. It is possible. We just need different tools and you need tools that will actually work in your physician life. And that is what's inside Thrive Academy for Physicians. So to learn more about that, the website is start2thrive.ca. That's start number two, thrive.ca. All right, have a fantastic week, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.